I remember when I was in high school, we had to take a series of tests. I don't know if they still take these or not. It was called the ASVABs. Do you guys still have to take the ASVABs? Does anyone remember what ASVAB stood for? It was the Armed Services Vocational Aptitude Battery. And all I knew was I got out of class for a day. I had to take the ASVABs. And any day I could get out of class, that was a pretty good day. So I enjoyed my day free, and the tests weren't that hard. Uh, but the, the next few months, <laughs> I kind of had to pay for that day off because for the next few months, the phone calls started coming in from different branches of the military. They wanted me. The Army would call, the Navy would call, the Air Force would call, the Marines left me alone. That was okay. But they, they all told me that I was military material and that, that I, uh, I had scored really well on those tests and I needed to sign up. And so every day the phone calls would come. Do you love your country, son? Absolutely. That's why I'm staying in it. So I'm staying right here. I can do the best good right here. They promised me all kinds of things, but they, they told me that they, they really needed me. And so every day it seemed like the phone would ring and mom or dad would say, Brad, it's for you. And it would be some recruiter telling me how badly they needed me. And I repeatedly and with, with much frustration turned them down over and over again. But what if it had been Jesus on that phone? What if Jesus had been the, the recruiter calling me up and, and enlisting me? And what if He was enlisting you and telling you how badly He needs you and what a difference you would make if you would just accept the call? How would you respond if, if Jesus was recruiting you? That's, that's exactly what's happening in the text we're going to look at today. It's in Luke chapter 5, verses 1-11. through 11. If you're using the Bibles there in the pew, it's page 860. Uh, your Bible probably calls this passage something like mine says. Mine says, Jesus calls the first disciples. And that's, that's the title above this passage in my Bible. Now, don't read that to distinguish those disciples from us because this is still the call. This is still the call of every Christian. This is what every Christian, every church is recruited to do. This call still comes with blessings. It still comes with challenges, and this call still comes with promises. I'm going to read beginning in verse 1 of Luke chapter 5. On one occasion, when the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gesenaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep, and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. 
And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed Him. I think for those of us who have been around the Bible for a while, we are more accustomed to hearing Matthew's account of this story. Matthew abbreviates it. He does it in just about two verses, not 11 verses like, like Luke does. But it's Matthew in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, where, where Jesus, according to Matthew's account, Jesus says to Simon, come follow Me and I will make you fishers of men. Right? You guys know that those words just come so naturally. I think we have a tendency though, we have a tendency to focus on the fishermen. But I want you to notice what's happening around them. In, in verse 1, the crowd is pressing in on Jesus. They want to hear the Word of God. The crowd is pressing in on them. And then in verse 3, he gets in Simon's boat and he sets out a little bit from the land, or from the land so that he has a better vantage point to address the crowds. The point of the call isn't just to enlist these men into service. The goal is so that the Word of God would be heard. And that's still our goal today. And just like the call for them, it all begins when we respond to Jesus. It's a call to obedience. What I love about this story is that Jesus speaks the language of the people to whom He is speaking. He's addressing Simon and Andrew and James and John. These are fishermen. And He knows how to get fishermen's attention. First of all, He pulls off this amazing miracle. This huge haul of fish. Their boats are capsizing. Their nets are breaking. In verse 7, we read that they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come help them. And they came and filled both boats with fish so that they began to sink. In order to bring it all in, they had to work together. But this is just to get their attention. Jesus does this to get their attention because Jesus was speaking their language. And then in verse 10, He says, come follow Me and you will catch people. Just as you have caught these fish, you come follow Me and you will catch people. In verse 11, they abandon their boats, they abandon their nets, and they follow Jesus. Now you and I might hear this story. We might think about when we go fishing. And we might hear this story and think, what are they going to do with all those fish? I mean, they, they can't eat them all. I mean, they've obviously caught more than their limit. I mean, how many trophy fish can they hang on one wall in whatever kind of house they lived in back then? How many of these fish are they? Are they going to have a huge fish fry? They can't eat all of them. But I want to remind you that for them, fishing wasn't a hobby. Fishing wasn't just a, a pastime for them. Fishing was their life. They, they were fishermen. That was their job. These fish would be sold in the markets. The, the money that they got for the fish would be used to pay their bills, to pay their taxes, to pay their hired men, and, and, and they would continue on their life. That's how they would get by until the next time they had a big catch of fish, and then the next one, and the next one. That was just their lives. They didn't fish. They didn't live to fish, as some of us might say. They fished to live. I used to live to fish. I used to love to fish. I used to fish a lot. I mean, I mean a lot. Fishing was my hobby, and I, I did it constantly. Fishing was the way that I dealt with stress. I would tell people, I am going out to fish, and I will fish until I can't hear the phone back in my office ring anymore. Because I would stand there by the pond throwing my line in, and I swear to you, I could hear the phone ringing back in my office because I knew somebody needed something. 
You know, I, I don't have that kind of stress anymore. I, I deal with my stress in, in different ways, and, and I don't need to fish the way that I used to fish. Every now and then, back when I fished a lot, we would come across a pond that was overfished. You know what I mean about a pond that was overfished? Either there were no fish to catch at all, or usually, more likely, all of the big species had been taken out, all the bass were gone, and what you were left with were these tiny little stunted bluegill, these, these tiny little fish that were worthless. They, 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 all you could do was, was throw them back and move on to another pond. I saw a statistic this week about church attendance in America. And according to the statistic I saw, 64.8% of Americans never go to church. 64.8. of Americans go to church less than once a year. And you guys, for many of you, you make up the 3.2% that are in church every week. And yet we continue to be told that of people that don't attend church, if you were to invite them, 90% of them would come. People who do not regularly attend church, if they were invited, 9 out of 10 of them would come. That means 9 out of 10 people will say yes, only one is going to reject you. I look at statistics like that and I wonder, are, are we overfished? Or are we just not fishing enough? Is the Gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, is it just our hobby? Or is it our life? We are called to share our faith. We are called to share Christ. That is to be our identity. That is who we are. Are we being obedient to the call? Can we hear what Jesus is asking us to do? But it's not just about you responding or, or me responding. It's about what we do together. You see, the, the call is too great for any one person. And I think that's really the point of this miraculous catch of fish. I mean, the, the point of this catch of fish is not that Jesus has magic fish detecting powers, although that would be great. Uh, the point is that obedience to Him is greater than what any one of us can do on our own. We, we can't do it on our own. Simon calls the other boat over. If we're going to get this catch in. We have to work together. And that tells us that that ultimate call on our lives there in verse 10, do not be afraid from now on, you will be catching men. That's too great for any one person. It's too great for any one church. You see Simon's reaction here in verse 8. In verse 8, Simon falls at Jesus' knees and he says, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. He knows that he is not up to it. It took a, took a big pile of fish to convince Simon Peter that he's standing in the presence of God. And he says, depart from me, I am a sinful man. Sounds a lot like what we saw in Isaiah chapter 6. For those of you who remember Isaiah, back in the Old Testament, Isaiah is a prophet. And in chapter 6, Isaiah has this vision of God in the temple. He sees God sitting on His throne and he sees Him in His glory and His majesty. And you remember Isaiah's response? He says, woe to me! He says, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King. That's Simon's response to Jesus here. Simon knows that whatever Jesus asks of him, he's not up to it. But what Jesus shows him is no one is disqualified. Everyone is needed. The work is that important. This past Monday, I had lunch with Jeff Kuhn, who works with Fame, the Fellowship and Associates of 
medical evangelism. Fame is one of the ministries that we support here at Kansas Christian Church. And Jeff was telling me about the work of fame, the work that they're doing by bringing doctors and Christ to those people who need Him the most. Uh, he was telling me about the work being done in the Philippines. Did you realize that the average Filipino, the average person in the Philippines, only 50% of all people in the Philippines will ever see a doctor in their lifetime. Only 50% will ever see a doctor. And fame is working to, to get doctors there and to, to do more work in the Philippines. Today you heard about the work that Cher is doing in Kenya, in Turkana, and the work that they're doing of, of building up the churches and strengthening the churches and, and sharing the Gospel to the people there in, in Kenya. And I ask you, could Kansas Christian Church do that on our own? <laughs> Could we just go do that ourselves? No, there's no way we could do that ourselves. Could we go to the Philippines ourselves and, and find people and, and bring them to the doctor? No, I wouldn't know where to begin. But we partner together with other ministries to do that. We partner together with other people and the work gets done. We work together and we catch people for Christ. But what about right here? What about right here in the in the United States. What about right here in, in Kansas? How is the gospel spreading? You know, the average is that every year, every year in America, 4,000 churches will close their doors. Every year in America, 4,000 churches close their doors. That means, on average, today is the last day of worship for 77 churches somewhere in our country. 77 churches today will have their last worship service, they'll have their last communion, they'll have their last prayer they will have their last invitation. Is the work done? Are, are, we, are we done? Uh, are we overfished? I don't think we're overfished. Not by a long shot. Not if only 3.2% of people are attending church weekly. Maybe what needs to happen is that healthier churches need to come, come alongside churches that are that are struggling. Maybe we need to work together. Maybe we need to work together to, to lift Christ up, to make Him known. We've already proven we can do that in the Philippines. We can do that in the Philippines. We're doing that in the Philippines. We're doing that in Kenya. Can't we do it in Kansas? Can we do it right here? Can we pray for Kansas? Can we lift up Jesus together in our community and, and draw people to Him? I know that we can. I know we've, we've done that in other places. And I know that that's the call. Not just the call for the first disciples. It's the call for all of us. And I also realize that this call demands 100% commitment. I want to mention again, these were not sport fishermen. They were not just out for a, a day on the lake. This was their life. This was their livelihood. This was their identity. They were fishermen. This is what they did to feed their family. This is what they did to pay their bills. <clears throat> and when the time came, this is what they would leave to their children. They would leave their boats to their children. They would leave their nets to their children. They would leave their skill and their know-how. They would leave their profession to their children. You notice in verse 2, they're washing their nets because they've already been out fishing. You would start fishing early, early in the morning before the sun was up over there. They've already fished and they didn't catch anything. So they've come back to the shore and they're washing their nets. If they had caught anything, they would be repairing their nets. They would be fixing their nets and then they would leave them out to dry so they could be ready to use them the next day they're doing that in verse 2 they're washing their nets Jesus tells them to go out again and, and they're going out this is completely unheard of they were out fishing in the heat of the day I mean you didn't do that 
Everything Jesus tells them to do is wrong when it comes from a fishing perspective. They're going out in the heat of the day, but suddenly there's more fish than what they themselves can call in, can haul in, so they have to call the other boat to come help them. And then suddenly they have a new call there in verse 10. Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And those nets that they had been carefully washing and drying in the sun, in verse 2, those nets, by verse 11, are left to rot in the sun. Those boats are pulled up to the shore and they walk away from them. Verse 11 says, when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed Him. And with that, their identity changed. Simon becomes Peter. Fishermen become fishers of men. And by the time we get to the book of Acts, the story of the, of the early days of the church, in Acts chapter 17, verse 6, it says of these same men, it says of the same men, these men have turned the world upside down. Now, they couldn't have done that from their boats. And they couldn't have done that with their nets. They couldn't have done that without the call of Jesus on their lives. And if we're going to make a difference in our world, or even just in our community, it has to begin with 100% commitment to that call. Jesus calls us to call others to Him. Mother Teresa, I think is a name that most of you are probably familiar with. Mother Teresa ran those orphanages in Calcutta. She's impacted millions of people around the world. One time, Mother Teresa was asked, what does she owe, what does she owe her success? And her response was, God has not called me to be successful. He has called me to be faithful. That's true of all of us. That's true of us as individuals. That's true of us as a church. Are we willing to lay down our nets? And by our nets, I mean those things that we have identified ourselves with. Those things that have previously taken our time and preoccupied our time. Those things that we've been known for. Those things that we've devoted our lives to. Are we willing to lay them all down so that we can answer the call of Jesus? So We're going to spend the rest of the month of May looking at the call that Jesus has placed on our lives and on the life of our church. We're going to be looking at the impact that we are called to have on our community. What's it going to take for us to, to answer His call? What's it going to take for us to respond to Jesus? How will God use us if we give ourselves to Him? And what, what can He do through us? I want you to notice in this story, Jesus shows us what it takes for us to, to approach our neighbors and approach our friends with, with the Gospel. One of the things you notice about Jesus in this story, again, He speaks the language of the fishermen. He, he knows how to get fishermen's attention. He speaks their language, and we're going to have to speak the language of the people around us if, if we're going to reach them. When Jesus encounters fishermen, he, he speaks in fishing terms. There's another place in the Gospels where Jesus encounters farmers and he says a sower went out to sow in his field. Other times he encounters business people and he talks about a, a shrewd business manager, right? He, he knew how to speak to the people around him. Let's make sure we're speaking the language of our neighbors. It really bothers me, and I hear it for myself more than anyone else. It bothers me when, I, when we speak a language that I like to call Christianese. Do you know what Christianese is? 
It's so easy for us to slip into Christianese. It's when we use words that mean something to us but mean absolutely nothing to people who, who are not Christians, people who don't come to church. We use words like righteousness. We use words like salvation. We use words like sanctification. It means nothing to the people around us. We've got to be sure we're speaking their language. And more and more, words like holiness mean nothing to the people around us. Words like sin mean nothing to the people around us. So let's make sure we are speaking their language. The other thing that we have to be aware of is no one is beyond the reach of the Gospel. Simon responds to Jesus and he says, depart from me, I am a sinful man. No one is too sinful to hear. No one is beyond salvation. No one is too far away from grace. And no one is too far away to be used to share the message. And the other thing we need to keep in mind, they laid down their nets to follow Jesus. The, the nets were their, were their livelihood. The, the nets were their identity. The nets told the world who they were. There are things in our lives that do that. There are things in our lives that tell people who we are. Not just our jobs, but sometimes our attitudes. Anger tells people who we are. Sometimes our bitterness tells people who we are. And, and our, our hurt and our unforgiveness. Do those things tell people who we are? We become identified with those. Are we willing to lay down those attitudes? Are we willing to lay down those prejudices? I, I can't promise you it's going to be easy. I can only promise you it's worth it to answer the call of Jesus. Let's stand together and pray. Lord Jesus, we might be tempted to respond to You like Simon and say, depart from Me, because we know our sin. We know that we're not worthy of Your grace. And yet Your call comes back again and again. Your desire is for us to follow, to serve, and to catch others. And as unworthy as we might feel, You have called us, You have called us together, and You have equipped us to serve. All around us are people who have no experience of Your grace at all. They aren't aware of Your love. So open our eyes to them and help us to see their need and give us the willingness to share Your message with them. Help us to become a source of grace and a source of love for them. We love You and we thank You for Your amazing love. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.